Last week we had the privilege of sitting under Russell Fraser um, and getting a, a great download about our positioning and our posture so we can live our calling out, um, especially in the field or in the church, as we refer to, where we've been added to. Um, and that's definitely something for us as an eldership, myself, Rob, and Johan, have been chatting a lot about, and we want to go through it in great depth uh, with you as a family in the weeks or possibly even months ahead. But following last Sunday's meeting with Russell, um, the elders and the wives uh, got some amazing time to sit with Russell um, and have dinner. And then, like any good accountability session, we nervously asked uh, for his input and what he saw um, with regards to how we are doing here at Durbanville PM. Um, you now know that Russell is walking in a, a more apostolic anointing, um, having left uh, Durbanville AM, um, and his voice and his input should always be welcomed, no matter how challenging. And I did call us to just prepare our hearts and our ears before he spoke. Um, I personally like challenges, um, a little less sugar, and a little bit more of a kingdom advance. So tonight is a highlighted area, um, one that Russell spoke to us, Russell hearing in the spirit. Um, not the easiest to talk around, um, but actually super easy to deal with, if we're brutal. And tonight, um, we're going to touch or talk about hidden sin. Firstly, there's actually no such thing as hidden sin. Well, not in God's eyes. Um, trying to hide sin from God is like you trying to run away from your shadow. Um, and you'll soon find out you can never get away. You can't run away from God. You can't outrun Him. Um, he knows everything. Your family and friends might not know what your hidden sin is, but God knows. And last week, Russell spoke around our being faithful with the trust given us, and we had this verse, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 to 2. L, ignore me, don't put it up. Okay. Don't put it up. They'll put it up on that side. Thank you, Kim. Um, when they put up the, just so the AV guys know, when they put up the scripture for that side, my voice disappears, I think. So they're going to have to rely on all those Bibles they bought with them. So, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 to 2. This then, so then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and those entrusted with the, the secret things of God. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And tonight I want to continue on from verse 3. 
I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. And this is the rider. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. So it's clear we read here that sin always will catch up with you. We, of course, have the opportunity, um, always have the opportunity to address it early or later with God, as we read. One thing for sure, it is always, will always be made known. You are not going to escape that. Not so sure about you, but um, I'd prefer to try deal with it now before God gets involved in it later. Um, I do believe we cannot procrastinate about our sin. Um, it has such a deep negative impact and effect on ourselves and on us as a congregation, um, as the bride. And the field we find ourselves in. I was chatting to Rob this morning around this topic um, for next week. The field which we, we, where we have been added. Um, so he's going to be expanding on that next week. And it struck us both at the same time how applicable this picture is for us. Where we are right now. Most of you know I'm a Durban boyke. Don't know too much about farming or the farming way of life, but I'm learning. Thank you, Iver. And I do like to travel and often come across the following pictures. Al, you're coming up. As we drive amongst the rural areas. Put picture one. Yeah, yeah. And picture two. Okay, and go back to me, Al. Cool. So, you can leave that picture up, Kim. Not you, Al. Selective scene. How often have you lost something in your house and turned the house upside down? And your spouse or your friend walks in the room and within 30 seconds is able to find it. Is that you? The field of our lives is pretty much the same. Often there are things we are looking right under our noses. But we require an outside set of eyes to help us find it. This is one of the unseen benefits of accountability. All have rocks in our own field. We all have rocks in our own field. All have something written on them. Rejection, impatience, 
anger, lust, etc., etc. Nice. And here's the headline. There are many rocks in your field with the same label on. So just because you removed a rock with that label on today doesn't mean you won't trip over another tomorrow with exactly the same label on. We desperately need accountability to serve as, number one, a reminder to what warning labels we carry. And number two, for assistance in bringing it to our attention when a rock with a warning label shows up in our life. Still your rock, not mine. And you need to make a conscious decision to remove it. You can ask for help. Two guys helping clear a field. Being part of the bride means that what, when we bring and what we bring in our personal field of life, if I can use that term to the larger family, we collectively don't lose momentum when we encounter a field of rocks, but rather we are able to sift through that field together. So we can eventually plant and water, and then God comes and he makes grow, and we witness a kingdom advance. Amen. This is a pre-planting season here at Durbanville PM. As we witness farmers and laborers in the field removing stones, we need to do the same in this season so that the work of sowing and reaping can take place. We want to do the same here. There is a field where there is a promise of a rich harvest. It's guaranteed. But we need to put the effort up front. Sin, like rocks in the field, can damage equipment. And likewise, the body. We can find ourselves in a busy season and end up spending precious time fixing equipment instead of sowing or reaping. We remove the obstacles before we plow, before we sow. Every farmer knows well the value of preparing the soil well. It has benefit. It is not there to condemn the farmer, but it is there to assist him. God does not want to condemn you. There's no condemnation in Christ. None. No place for it. We want him to receive the glory. That's the main goal. We heard last week from Russell about the bride being God's manifest to a, to a degree here on earth of his glory. The bride. You and me. Everyone in this room. Everyone next door. 
Yet we know that God cannot be near sin. How can we possibly represent something of the magnificent of God if we are not something he cannot be near? We need to address sin in our lives. God cannot be near any sin, big or small. There's no difference to him. Large rocks and small stones, not just the big label ones, even the small ones, the tiny lies. I was reading in the Old Testament the story of Achan. If you want to make a note, Joshua 7. Won't bring it up. And I was struck by the harsh punishment Achan received for what seemed like not such a big deal. However, it was certainly a big deal to God. And so the consequences for hidden sin must be a big thing for us. We all sin. Our human nature, we often minimize or feel that we should classify most of our sin as small things. But even if we believe sin is not so great, or maybe it's not embarrassing, or hurtful, or shameful, somewhere, somehow, for whatever reason, we try to hide it from other people. Even the big ones, but I'm talking about the small ones now. We read that God says these sins, once committed and not cleaned up, can bring great destruction. You see, hidden sin causes God to stop listening to us. Psalm 66, 18. Not for you, Al, but for you. Yes, if I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Can it get any clearer than that? Many of us wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers. And the answer could be right here. If we're not sitting with sin in our lives or dealing with sin in our lives, God closes his ears to our prayers and never hears what we say. This is the, perhaps the greatest danger of hiding sin. There's a little bit of attention in my last statement because God is always listening for us. But it's the gravity of what our sin causes him to do. That should cause us to tremble. Who would have ever guessed that there were times that God didn't hear our prayers? We get a feel for the utter devastation that comes between us and God when unconfessed sin remains hidden. Our souls get fraught if we don't deal with this. Psalm 32, 3-4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. 
For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then you see the Isolah, which means now you're supposed to wait and let that sink in for a second. You see, David wrote this verse referring to his adultery with Bathsheba. He thought his sin was all hidden until the prophet Nathan pointed his finger at David, not you, Dave, and said, it's you. (laughs) The story was out, and David paid the price. His next child was doomed to die, and his family was plunged into a time of rape, lying, and rebellion. Hidden sin will always have an effect on those around us. The story of Achan demonstrates the tragedy of hidden sin. We read of Joshua taking Jericho. God told Israel that all the articles and all people of Jericho were to be destroyed. But Achan was greedy and took some gold and some beautiful clothing for himself from the Babylonians. And then he hid them in the back of his tent. Shortly thereafter, God sent a number of Israeli soldiers to conquer the city of Ai, I think it's called. The soldiers said to Joshua, you don't need to send many soldiers. We should conquer them easily. That whole God is with us. However, they lost miserably, and many soldiers died. God told Joshua that the defeat had nothing to do with military issues, like strategy, number of soldiers, or resources. The defeat had everything to do with Achan hiding what he had stolen from the Babylonians. God reveals Achan Achan, as the perpetrator. Achan's hidden sin destroyed his family. They were all burnt alive. The cost of hidden sin often levels tremendous consequences against our families, friends, and loved ones. Heavy. So, how do we eat this elephant? Great question. Are we going to rush first to our earthly accountability partners? No. Something I believe in accountability very strongly. But this time we're going to do it differently. We're going to fast. As individuals. So I want to get this clear from the beginning. No misconception about fasting. Fasting does not mean your sins are forgiven. Only repentance and the blood of Jesus can pay the price for your sin. 
and praise to God that we have this cleansing in full. Amen? However, repentance is a crucial step in our nearness to get close to God again. So repentance can be of a huge benefit uh, in what we are doing before fasting. We read in Joel 2 verse 12, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. My version's got a little bit more. It's irrelevant. And here we see how the Lord declares to the nation of Israel that fasting, in fact, is a tool to bring us closer to God. How can this affect our spiritual lives exactly? Well, the closer we are to God, the closer we are to His Spirit. We see through Scripture that being filled with the Spirit equates to being close to God. It is even stated in Luke chapter 1 that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit And he is near to God. In this scripture verse, we also see that while fasting, we are to give or submit our hearts to him. When we give our hearts to him, we grow in relationship with him, which ultimately brings us nearer to him. In Isaiah 58.6, Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? We read that fasting is so that we can be free from the oppression of this world and of sin. It also shows that God desires to break the heavy yoke, keeping us from him. I believe if we are trapped in bondage to sin, that if we fast with this in the forefront, that we will find freedom together. This is because we take God at his word and know he will make good on his promise. While fasting may seem nearly impossible at times, whether it's because of our schedule, our home life, our work life, or even challenges with self-discipline, we can see that it is incredibly important for our spirituality. Making excuses not to fast is only hindering our spiritual lives. When we take time to fast, We gain freedom, spiritual maturity, and intimacy with God and Holy Spirit. It is hard to find a reason not to fast in Scripture because we see so many of the biblical leaders in Scripture fasting for so many, a variety of reasons. It's also important for you to know that God honors our fast before him. 
That is clear in Scripture. It is also wise to seek God on what your reason is to fast, not looking at other people or asking them questions. When we fast, we see in Scripture it is very personal. And it's for an intimate reason between an individual and God. So your homework for this week, and I'll post it on the bigger group. I want you to read Romans 6, the whole thing. You'll read about being dead to sin, alive in Christ, and slaves to righteousness. About 144 pages, I think. Hey, Corvus? About there. And then we need to meditate on it. And then we need to pick a day to fast. Just one day. Your conviction may take you further. But just one day. One day to draw near to God and to partner with Him. To ask him to be your first accountability partner. To ask him to highlight the hidden areas of your life. You're not going to do it on your own. You won't see it. It's hidden for a reason. That sin does not want to be known or made known to the world. And then repent. Then praise, worship, declare his love. And then testify. Initially to your earthly accountability partner. And then I want to encourage you to be the brave men and women who can come up here. Yeah, it's normally over there. And testify. Testify the goodness of God. Amen. In prep for this, let's draw near for him in another way. And the worship team can come up, please. And everyone can stand. You can stand. And let us worship the King. Let us be happy that God knows all of our sins. Because that's a reminder that He's with us always. The fact that He knows all means He's interested in us. And I'd written here a reminder big amen, that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and that he overcame temptation of every kind. Let us overcome by him and with him. Amen. Father, I want to send this word out uh, to the congregation, but I'll, I want to send your Holy Spirit along with this word, King. And I pray in the weeks ahead, as, as we uh, 
not make an attempt on our own to clear the field of rocks, big and small, but that we invite you in, Father, into our holy of holies, our holy of holies, one that we have not revealed yet, Father, one that you are very aware of. King, I, I feel the chains, and those chains are impossible for us as individuals to break. But with your partnership, with you, Father, in the room, all things are possible. We want to take you for your word, Father, where we submit, when we lay down, when we reveal these things, that you'll come help, King, you'll come assist. Where we have failed so many times before. So we submit to you now, Father, in the presence of our family and our friends. Come give us the courage and the bravery to embark in this place, Father, in this way that you, you want us to bring darkness into the light. And it doesn't take rocket science, Father, to know where there's light, darkness cannot exist. Come be our everything, King. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. And as people said, Amen. Amen.